Hello, and welcome, my lovelies. Come on in, sit down, relax, shoes to be removed. You got another great episode of Video Game Fun coming your way this week. We're talking all about the man who made Gone Home, who was sent home. U.S. politicians demanding the young and vulnerable aren't being preyed upon, which is ironic because they're like U.S. politicians. And Sony, well, they bought something delicious. But that's all to come, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for coming. Please follow us on all your favorite socials at Another Castle CA. My name is Jordan D'Souza. And the good news is I am joined, as always, by Diego Cocting and Rodrigo Cocting. Beautiful. Thank you so much for joining me, gentlemen. Rodrigo, are you proud of me for saying follow the socials at the beginning of the episode? Because I always forget and I wrote it down and I'm now going to say it at the beginning of the episode. Not only that, I also love the tease of what we're going to talk about Mm -hmm. uh, at the beginning. Very smart. It's like you listen to a podcast and you just stole that. I know. It's like I was like, (laughs) these are probably good ideas that I should be doing instead of trying to think of things to say at the beginning. Like, do you guys know anything about the number eight? Then everyone's like, no. And do you want to know something that I had facts ready for the number nine? Rodrigo, give me the facts for number nine. I mean, not like huge facts, but there is like a a nine musical that is, uh, I guess, not great. But it's basically like an adaptation of a musical that's based on uh, Federico Fellini's uh, eight and a half. But it has like a fun number with Penelope Cruz where it's like it's uh, like phone sex, I guess. It's a musical number that's an interpretation of people having phone sex. So, yeah, check that out. Um, Yeah, if you're in the mood for for that, (laughs) go ahead and check it out. The thing that I, I like about the number nine is that the video, it was like an Elmo phone. And then you would press all the numbers and he was like, one, two. But then the nine was like deep for some reason. It was like nine, nine. <laughs> and then they put it into like, like German, German Elmo. Yeah. And then they creepy. mix it into the Ramstein song. And it's like nine, nine. So anyway, so if you guys are looking for any uh, songs to listen to, listen to Ramstein. If you're looking for uh, anything, the musicals, you know, listen to that one. Look what these about phone sex. Unfortunately, all of the games that we're talking about. Oh, my God, I didn't do the unfortunately bit. See, Rodrigo, I put in so many new bits. I forgot to put in the other one. Unfortunately, your podcast isn't another castle. Episode nine. No one be proud for me for the other bits because I messed up the one bit that I was supposed to get every time. (laughs) We'll get there. Exactly. Well, by episode 12, at least, I should have all of the bits that I should be discussing. But we'll figure it out from there. It's a, it's a learning and growing process. We'll have you it know, down people, by then, yeah. That's fine. You people know what, Diego? joining us for this adventure. Exactly. <laughs> Diego, just edit all of this and just put the section in the front and then take out all mm-hmm. of this dialogue after. We're not even going to discuss this musical. Just make sure I put in the, the time. <laughs> Perfect. So a segment that I will mention at its proper time is we must find out what everyone is playing. Diego, I'm going to start with you this week. Diego, tell me. What you playing? All right. So this week, I've been a bit busy. I haven't had much time to play much of anything, really. The Olympics are over, though. You should be fine. <laughs> yeah. But they just so, um, Yeah. So on, on the weekend, I went to uh, visit my nieces and to see how they were doing. And one of my nieces at an age where she's starting to enjoy uh, playing video games. She likes playing Mario Party on the Switch. And from what I, how her parents have told me, she's actually pretty good at it. But uh, her favorite video game series is Pokemon. I don't know what it is about kids, but they always love Pokemon. Love that and Pokemon. Rodri- yeah, Rodrigo and I showed her Pokemon Go the other day, and she loved it. So ever since then, I've seen her like play, like uh, want to play Pokemon every time where we come over. 
So, well, like, the thing is, like, uh, the other day I saw her playing Pokemon, like, on um, Diego's, like, her dad's um, Game Boy Advance. And I saw that how dark that old Game Boy Advance screen was. And I was like, how could she be playing this game like this? Yeah, the original Game Boy is just, they it had no so backlight, so you just couldn't yeah. see anything. But she she was really seemed really into it. I mean, she plays the game. She doesn't understand what's happening because she can't really read. Yeah. But she was really into it. Anyways, mm-hmm. I once like and then I saw that I realized like I I can actually get her an emulator so she can play this on her computer. It'll be much much better, right? So because of that, I was like uh, I I started looking at my emulator stuff. Started playing some games on my super on the Super Nintendo emulator and stuff like that. But I also got uh I I also had to try to get this Pokemon Fire Red for for her. Just so I like she can play it on her computer. Mm-hmm. And that was really hard to pull off because I don't know what's happening. Like, I think like uh, I, I mean, I haven't been playing emulators for a long time, but I'm pretty sure like Nintendo's efforts to try to get these ROMs to start to disappear are kind of working because it was really hard to get that ROM. And uh, I had to do like some other things to get it at this point. But like, it's so hard to get I, if you the one time I was able to find a ROM. I try to run on the emulator and it, like I just got Virus. a blank screen, a blank screen. And anytime you press to like a button. Screen? Yeah, a blank screen. Anytime you press a button, you could hear a Pokemon like noise, <laughs> kind of like the one you get, like when you check a Pokemon noise, noise in the in the Pokedex. That's it was weird. And right. And I also tried to download other games like Mario and it would give you like a battery. Same Pokemon noise. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so not another Pokemon noise. <laughs> But yeah, it would give you an error, right? And I realized like, it's so hard to get these ROMs now. And this was something that I was just able to do like back in the day, like without a problem, right? Because they are everywhere. But like, I guess what Nintendo, I guess Nintendo and all they're suing is kind of working in a way. So because they're making mm-hmm. these ROMs start to disappear. They've disappeared the ROMs. Yeah. So yeah, as I said, I went back to playing these Super Nintendo games and I got to show my niece some of them. And I got to show her like uh, on the Super Nintendo, I got to show her Aladdin and Mickey's Magical Quest. Mm. And like she like she liked it. Right. And Mario All-Stars, mm-hmm. a bunch of other games I showed on Super Nintendo. And it's just like kids, like even if it's pixelated animation, they just like looking at pixelated animation. Right. Yeah. You mm-hmm. know, obviously they get bored fast. She's like immediately wants to go from game to game to game to game. But like it's cool to see how like she can actually start to adapt like at her age to just be able to start like playing video games like naturally. Yeah. It's pretty crazy I'm- to see kids do that. She's at a, an interesting age where she is like very intelligent from what I think kids should be at that age, but like annoyingly argumentative. Like the other day she was asking me <laughs> if I had Pokemon Go and I told her that I didn't. Uh, and then she was like, but you can just download it. Mm-hmm. And I'm on her, I'm like, on her okay. side in this, by the way. We Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. No, I mean, she's got a good point. You should play Pokemon Go and then uh, trade me because I need that uh, that research. Yeah. So, yeah. Diego, with her playing Pokemon Go, how did she feel about the reduction of the space between <laughs> Pokestops? She's boycotting it. <laughs> she took part in that, too. Yeah, she, she's not happy with that. Yeah. <laughs> Especially, it's like not just because of the pandemic, but also because like she's four years old and her mom doesn't let her on the str- out on the street by herself. So, mm, yeah, yeah, that's true. You know, it's not convenient for her that she has to go further <laughs> distances now. <laughs> it is incredibly restrictive for her. That does make sense. Yeah. So, Rodrigo, clearly you haven't redownloaded Pokemon Go like your niece and I have been telling you for months. So, tell me what you're playing. 
I mean, full disclosure, I have Pokemon Go and I do often give her my phone. But at the time I was like, I didn't want to because mm-hmm. my phone was going to die. So I just told her, I was like, oh, I don't have it. And she was like, oh, but you can download it. Like very, like, <laughs> you don't have to justify it. It's okay. <laughs> it's okay not to give your phone like, to okay. children. <laughs> uh, yeah, I haven't been playing much. Still uh, going through Skyward Sword, which is tons of fun. But I did try out uh, a new for me, old, because it's been out for a while, uh, a roguelike game on the Switch. I played last weekend with my brother Diego. We played Wizard of Legend, and it was really fun, actually. I think we we had a good time. Uh, it's pretty challenging at the beginning, but as you progress, like kind of like Hades, I guess, like you start powering up and so successive runs become easier. We still have not been able to be like, it seems like from the map that they give you at the beginning that it's kind of like uh, world, like explore a stage, explore a stage boss, and then that three times. And so we haven't even been able to beat the first boss, but we've done we're doing a fast like a better and faster job of going through the first two worlds and reaching that last boss that destroys us mm-hmm. so i'm excited i did kind of check out a youtube video just because i wanted to be like have <laughs> some mental questions about like the items that you lose at the start of each one and i wanted to make sure that i was understanding it correctly so i did check out someone's like speed run of this and my mind was blown i'm picking up some ideas of like the kind of cards that i want to be able to get but we'll see. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. But that's what I've been playing. Yeah, I always wonder if you're, like watching a speedrun is actually helpful because you're looking at it and you're like, this is what is the most optimal thing to do. But you're like, I can never do any of what's happening here. So this but is. But you work towards helpful. that, right? It, it like even helpful. if you, you're not there, you get closer by seeing what they're doing. That's, I learned how to play Mario Kart by watching a speedrun. Like you, those guys know all like the like the shortcuts and everything. I guess that would make sense in, in racing games for sure to see where everyone's going. Mm hmm. So for me personally, I started the week uh, continuing my FIFA career mode. I got nice. my boys up to the second division. We came second in the third division. We could have came first, but, you know, that's how that's how life goes. You know what I mean? And I was like, I didn't I'm not really am I going to be playing FIFA again all week and then FIFA again next week forever until I get this. And then I remembered a little magical place that I hadn't been to in a while called the library. Marine land. Uh, no. <laughs> Marine Land is canceled. Marine Land is canceled on this podcast. Oh Absolutely no Marine Land. And I went to the library and there were so many PS5 games compared to when I went years ago and there was PS4 games. And I assume it's just because with availability of PS5s in general, there's not a lot of PS5s out there. So there's not a lot of people searching to get these PS5 games to borrow. So right, I feel sick. like I feel like that it entirely worked in my favor. Mm-hmm. So I got too many games. I got The Pathless. I got Godfall. I got Sackboy. Sackboy, a big adventure. Sackboy. Sackboy. It's the, it's the translated It's the version. French version. Yeah, the French version. version. I'm yeah. trying to better my French as I play Le Sackboy. Sackboy. So I haven't started any of those, and they're all going to be due in a week. So hopefully I can renew them. I think there's already a wait list for Godfall, but we'll see. I'll just pay the fee. But what I've been playing is Damn. Spirit <laughs> of the North, which is a little game where you play as a little fox. And you're running around, you're having a grand old time, you're collecting these wizard staffs, you're bringing them to, like, dead wizards and bringing them so their spirit travels over. There's no dialogue, there's no exposition at all. You literally have, like, technically no idea what's going on. But based on context, there's, like, this red mist in the sky, and then you go to areas and kind of, like, purify them, and then you get new skills and stuff like that. Right? It's Mm -hmm. not skills, but, like, you have a spirit fox that you can change to sometimes to do puzzles and such. It's really cute. It's... 
it's starting to wear on me a little bit just because I've been playing it longer than you should. And the music is only like one or two tracks. So I've just been right. hearing the same <laughs> thing over and over again. Mm -hmm. And it's like, I'm assuming it was made by a very small team, but there's like a lot of not game breaking stuff, but game immersion breaking stuff where I have to go to these flowers to get the power to get the spirit fox. But then the prompt just won't appear over the flowers. So I'm like, oh, does it not work? And then I just press the button and it works. I'm like, oh, okay, I guess the prompt just didn't show up this one time. Yeah, it's cute. I'm it's, assuming it was made the by glitches, the yeah. glitches that you always enjoy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it, but it feels like it's a game that's punching above its weight, whereas mm -hmm. sometimes you play AAA games and it really feels like it's punching down based on what it should be doing. So that that's I enjoy those games that are they don't quite hit everything they're doing, but you can see what they were going for. And uh, mm -hmm. I don't know. I really appreciate it. I think it's real good. Yeah, it looks good, too. Yeah. Did you encounter a green knight? Oh. No, there were no green knights. <laughs> Can you imagine? At the end, like, you yeah, there's like the final mission. <laughs> At the end, he's like, strike me down. Into that. <laughs> I just give him a little kiss on the cheek, and he's like, damn it. All right. Well, come back here next year. Give you a little smoochy smooch. Well, everyone, that's all we've been playing, and uh, we're going to take a few minutes to smoochy smooch. While we're doing that, take a little <laughs> listen to words from our sponsors. Your podcast is in another castle is brought to you by Layered Butter. If you love movies, there's one book that you need on your shelf, and that's Layered Butter. Each issue is a deep dive into famous directors like Quentin Tarantino, genres like modern horror, or even famous characters like James Bond. Insightful essays are paired with breathtaking art inspired by the movies to make for the one book every cinephile needs. Head over to layeredbutter.com store and buy your issue today. And we have returned. Who is the best smoochy smoocher on the podcast? Let us know. Another Castle CA. We'll find out. More importantly, though, we have the news to bring to you. And I wish I didn't have a funny transition to going to this because we have more serious news to discuss in the video games so first item on the docket is Steve Gaynor, who is the co-founder of the game developers Fulbright. He has stepped down following allegations of fostering a toxic work environment. Uh, so Fulbright, they're best known for Gone Home. They also did the game Tacoma as well, if anyone's familiar with those. So he left his position as creative lead and manager on their latest game, which is Open Roads. However, the Twitter account for the actual game noted in a post that he is stepping down from creative lead and manager but he is still staying on in the studio as a writer. So since development of that game started, there have been 15 people who left the studio. 12 of them said specifically that their departure was due in part to Gainer's behavior towards workers, especially women on the team. Uh, he also released a statement himself saying that my quote, my leadership style was hurtful to people that worked at Fulbright. And for that, I truly apologize, unquote. Uh, one former person who was formerly in a senior role at the studio also described his leadership style as like working for a high school mean girl. His go to weapon was to laugh at people's opinions and embarrass them in front of other people. So this is kind of continuing this ongoing topic, essentially, of this uh, maybe like a mini reckoning going on with the games industry where people are stepping down for being just generally shitty people in very high positions. Uh, it's good that he did actually step down, but it does feel um, almost like a little bit of a slap on the wrist where he's essentially just kept on, but in a different role. Seems like maybe he was never really fit to manage people, and he's just kind of a creative force that ended up managing just because 
of being the head of the studio. Uh, for me, it seems like if he's going to step down, but you're going to keep him at the studio, it's not really doing too much to move through that. So, Diego, I don't know if that's something you agree with. Maybe it it's fine if you keep him in a creative role as long as he's not directly managing people. I'm not sure if maybe should have just gotten rid of him altogether. Yeah, I think that's definitely the thing that should have been done here. I mean, like, yeah, like I read this and it just it seems like uh, all these developers are just checking in on their work culture nowadays. And, you know, I guess Blizzard's lawsuit is already having like a positive impact on the industry. But yeah, I mean, what the company did versus what they should have done is like night and day for me. This guy, like what I read, too, it's like he's definitely one of those bros that, you know, seems like he was a part of that blizzard people like frat or whatever and and like what you said about him just like laughing at people uh people's opinion and embarrassing them it's just that's childish behavior so why would you keep somebody like that around alone but not not to mention the fact that he was just so terrible towards women and obviously because of him um there's people that have like lost their jobs right and then like um they they feel they they probably feel way more affected than this guy he gets to keep his job, right? Like he gets to be a writer now. It's what are they trying to say that he's like, he's no longer in charge of people or something like that. But I don't know. I just feel like it's, it's not enough from them. And it's, it's weird, but like, like indie studios kind of fly under the radar for this, like these kinds of stories, because everyone is usually looking at the bigger fish, right? So it's on them to take a bit more responsibility on how they're willing to address these issues. So if you have like weak responses, then talented people are just going to find better studios. They're not going to want to work in places like that. I mean, as as they, as I said, though, the one silver silver lining is that like stories like this that we keep seeing more and more people speaking out um, like it. It doesn't change like the work environment, like the work culture immediately. But I think it's going to have like a uh, big impact, hopefully not in the not so distant future. No, for sure. I would definitely agree with that. Uh, for you, Rodrigo, would you say this doesn't seem like really that much of a statement if you're going to keep him on and put him in a different position or if maybe just moving him somewhere else where he's not directly in charge of people will be enough to kind of satiate people? I mean, it's just from like what what benefit do you get from not squashing this story, right? Like from a PR communications thing, like if you got rid of this man entirely, like are you saying that his writing skills are that essential? That it's like we need to keep him on because that seems unlikely and especially because they have like a team of writers from what I can see that they didn't necessarily even have to keep this man. And also to Diego's point that it's like even if you fix the problem now, like multiple people have already lost their jobs and left this company because the workplace environment was untenable. And I don't know, like when I was reading this, I was thinking about how it was like, oh, it's like a, a high school bully. And I was like, why do we even allow that in high school? Like treating other people like shit to, to feel better. Like it's such a, a bizarre thing that we kind of normalize because like, you know, it's like, oh, it's high school and it'll get better after that. And for some it does and for some it doesn't. But it's like even within high school, like you're a person and you shouldn't be ridiculed and made to feel like you're less than a person when you're just trying to do your job. Like the world is tiring generally right like it, it's not like uh, a super chill place for everybody and to then have to go in and like you know you are all already cognizant that you're a part of this uh, a cog in this machine that we know as like the economy and capitalism and you know you have to go every day into your job and then be belittled into to feeling like less than 
than than a a, a, a a person full of worth. Like it's all so messed up, and it's so like we. It's it's good that we are pushing through the, the, this this general feeling so that we can get on to the other side and, and feel better. But it's just like what an unbearable situation that was created and was put in place before these moments. Sometimes I think about like uh, some older people that are like, oh, this generation is so sensitive and so like this and that. And it's like, bruh, like you created work environments where people feel like shit daily and you think that's okay? Like any alternative has to be better than whatever system you put in place for people to feel like this, right? Like it's it's progress, it's slow and it's frustrating, but at least it's progress, I guess. You know, like I'm kind of optimistic, but they should definitely fire this man. Like his, even just, even if you're cynical and you don't care, like from a PR perspective, like you're not squashing this story by keeping him on board, right? You're squashing it when you get rid rid of him and get, get him out of there. Because when this game comes out, it's still going to be talked about, oh yeah, but he still ended up writing for the game or blah, 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 right? And I highly doubt that his writing skills are that essential that you couldn't find somebody else to, to write whatever it is that he ends up doing. I do wonder if since he's one of the co-founders, maybe he has too much of a stake to be removed without stepping down so i feel like it yeah. might just be one of those situations where they're like yeah. we're getting rid of him in this position and then keeping him in a lesser position but it yeah. was really just like well i'm not gonna leave and they're like okay well you can go sit over there if you want yeah yeah but like it's it's also like why like the people that still work there that don't get along with him they still have to see this guy's face every day so if how, anything, do you do, yeah. how do you do work like that you know it's, and, he, and he, yeah you're just, and you're he's just a, basically assuming that hr like just didn't do enough to help you with this. It's like, it's a really shitty situation. And I totally understand these people leaving their jobs because of it. And you could argue that he doesn't have like a position of power anymore, but he's a co-founder of the company. So no matter what position he has, like what are you supposed to do? Still be able to confront this man and call him out on his shit. Plus it's like, I, I said this before, but I'm kind of tired of people like learning now, learning today, learning this year. It's like this man thought until now that he's confronted with all of this that his leadership style of making fun of people was okay. I don't trust that person to be in charge of anything, like even the writing. Like what logical choices could this man make if only now he is understanding that it is not okay to belittle other people? It seems very interesting to phrase it as his leadership style and not I I was being a piece of shit. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I'm generally a piece of shit. I didn't think people were going to call me out, and you've called yeah. me out on it. So now I have to face some kind of repercussion, is what it's statement. It feels like they removed him from, like, the big office where he would, like, belittle people from and then took him out of that office and made him sit beside you now because now right he's just a writer with you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> right next to you. I'm like, oh, my God, I hate people. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> well, I'm, we're glad something got done. Maybe a little bit more yeah. could have been done, but we move on. We move forward. And we move forward by moving backwards to discuss U.S. politicians. And U.S. politicians have written letters to a dozen game companies asking them to better protect young people from online risks and predatory game design. So these letters, which three of them were actually written by members of the U.S. Congress, they implored executives to explain what changes they were making in the U.S. based upon new U.K. legislation that protects children online. So recently, it's actually going to be enacted in, uh, or it's going to come into... Enactment? How does it, what's the phrasing there? It's coming. It's going to be enacted. Yeah, it's going to be enacted in September. So this UK law is intending to keep children's data safe online and to stop companies from using tactics such as loot boxes as a method for selling items to children in the UK. However, game developers are not under the same restrictions in the US. 
So right. essentially, the letters discuss things such as microtransactions leading to high credit card bills for parents while talking about loot boxes, essentially introducing gambling to children when they're very, very young, where they spend money without knowing essentially what they're going to be getting. Uh, I know it's it's tough to pass legislation when you're just three people, but it does feel more a move to say we've we're doing something to discuss it with these game companies without actually having to change anything and doing anything because these game companies are not going to change unless there is an actual law like you could send a letter to them and say what are you doing to change these things and they're going to say that's what they're going to say they're going to say nothing because they're going to rip up the letters and put them <laughs> in the garbage and then keep making <laughs> yeah. more loot boxes yeah it reminds me it's a very less scale but I used to work at Rogers and they used to have a $50 fee when you wanted to unlock your phone and take the phone to a new company. And nobody liked this because why would I want to pay $50 to move the thing that I already bought somewhere else? But Rogers didn't change it until like the government stepped in and said, you can't charge for this anymore. So for me, it just feels like lip service almost to be saying we sent all these beautifully worded letters to these uh, developers to see if they're going to change anything. But Unless these lawmakers actually do pass a law, I can't really see anything changing. So I guess, Rodrigo, I'll start with you. Does this does this feel like it's actually doing something, whereas maybe they're at least trying to start a conversation, or is really nothing going to change until there's actual law enacted? It's toothless. It's uh, it, it, it's it's idiotic to think with the evidence uh, and and all this proof that we have ahead of us that technology companies are unwilling to self-regulate themselves against their capitalistic interests, right? Like we have Facebook and Google and Apple and all these people that again and again and again prove that like no matter how cynical you are about tech companies in the modern era, you're falling short of how evil they truly can be. And so it's honestly stupid on, on everyone's part because it's stupid on the tech companies to not self-regulate because if you don't self-regulate, then actual legislation is going to come and force you to do things that you probably would have been able to get away with, right? And then it's stupid on the Congress people or, you know, any type of government in any part of the world to believe that these companies will ever decide against their self-interest at this point. Like, we have enough evidence to see. I do think, though, it's a nice trend to... Uh, because I know we were talking about the UK legislation. I believe before that there was already legislation either like in the Netherlands or in like one of these places where they were Belgium, yeah. they no longer were able to have uh, loot boxes, right? And like these kind of things. And I think that's really fair. I, you know, my my brother was mentioning that our, our niece is playing on the computer, and I remember one one time when you know I was kind of like babysitting her on the computer, and uh, we opened just like a random game, and there was like advertising before and as i was sitting there watching her watch advertising i was thinking that obviously we both process things very different and that i can see advertising and while on a subconscious level it might be still working at least i know like this this is an ad that i'm watching she doesn't have really that frame of reference yet like she's watching videos that she believes and then there's ads there that is like, why would she just not continue believing in those things? Right. So it's like I do think it's important to recognize and be cognizant that like the the people that we're trying to protect here do approach the world in a different way. And so I do think that it's absolutely fair. Like maybe like myself, many people that see uh, this kind of like limitations and legislation that they want to put on gaming, the gaming industry as like, I don't have kids. I'm an adult. I want to be able to do whatever the hell I want. 
but it's like we don't live in a ch- like in a childless world, right? Like there are other end users that are children, and so we do need to make sure that it is safe for everyone to play. Like if you want to be able to appeal to just an adult audience, then you have to put in barriers of entry, as in how you get in, right? Like somewhere there has to be like barriers so that children are are able to. I don't know, have like a, a safer environment when they play, I guess. No, or at least some some form of the game that, mm-hmm. I, I don't know how you would do it, but that recognizes the different audiences that it's being sent to. I'm not quite yeah. sure how that would work. but uh, So Diego, do you think the solution would just be wording the letters stronger? Maybe the wording that they used wasn't strong <laughs> enough, and if they were just a little more serious, then they would get all of these changes to be made. Um, yeah, for, for sure. I mean, when, when they mean, like when they say predatory game design, like they refer to the loot boxes, right? Yeah, they might as well just say so loot boxes. We know it's they might boxes. as well say loot boxes. <laughs> like, I personally think it's a good thing that like somebody's doing something at least, but as you said, it's not going to be enough really, right? The U S like tends to have this freedom of choice as a predominant value that drives them to, to kind of like make decisions. So, uh, obviously children aren't old enough to make proper decisions for themselves. So it either falls on the parents uh, to keep in mind what their children are doing, or it goes out, or if it gets out of hand, it goes to the politician. So right now, three politicians have decided to send these letters to the companies to basically, it's kind of like a reaction to what the UK did and like how they're, they, like, they're kind of just politely asking these companies, please, let's keep kind of like the morals that the UK is already putting in place. Like these people, they're going to look at these letters and then like just like Rodrigo said, there's nothing's really going to happen unless um, they're forced to do something right. But you're basically asking them to get rid of loot boxes, which is something that makes them a ton of money. So I don't understand how you can explain like uh, as a company, you can explain that to like uh, people that own stocks with your company and like nobody that likes like stockholders are never going to agree to something like that. So unless like people are obligated to do something. They're going to keep like they're to stop doing something. Sorry, they're just going to keep on doing it. Right. And that's what we're going to see here. And it's the it's the most ironic thing that I saw about these letters that were being sent out is the first letter that I saw was directed to uh, Bobby Kotick of Activision Blizzard. That was the first letter sent out. They're that man is for, busy right now. They were asking for Blizzard to have the high morality to please, you know, be more careful with what they're like giving children. Like uh, that that's man. like that's terrible. I don't understand how that's gonna like it's not gonna do anything there. They're gonna that man saw the word predatory in the letter and he was like done <laughs> already done no yeah. worries. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe that was the problem. They just need to send more letters specifically to him. Yeah. Well, hopefully we're ending these uh, predatory loot boxes. We're moving on from them because <laughs> I'm getting real tired of discussing this. But we won't. We'll be do you back guys just uh, do you guys buy loot boxes in anything that you play? No. I one time, maybe one time, maybe two times. I actually bought FIFA points because mm-hmm. I was playing Ultimate Team, and I was like, "Oh, you know what? I'm a grown adult. I could just drop drop twenty bucks in this game, see what I mm-hmm. want to get." And what I got was fucking nothing. And I'm really? glad that I didn't get anything because if I got something, I may have been like, "Hmm." Well, if that was something, maybe something else will be something. But it's, yeah. mm-hmm. I guess it was good because it taught me, no, don't don't open these boxes. These <laughs> are nothing. You're literally throwing your money at nothing for things yeah. that you can get if you just play the game. So if you, 
I really, loot boxes is just like fast tracking. It's loot boxes is for people who don't want to play the game to get things in the game. It's, yeah. it's a very odd practice as an adult. I understand if you want to play FIFA professionally, then you, you have to buy the loot boxes just because that's how the game is broken in that sense. Mm-hmm. But for any other game, if you're able to get these things by just playing the game, then I don't know, just play the game. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe yeah. that's just me. I was playing Magic uh, the Gathering Arena, and I remember at one point I was buying gems. I mean, it's not exactly loot boxes, but it's like you can buy booster packs either with like coins that you get in game from Mm -hmm. playing or you can buy it with gems that you can purchase. And I did it once and then I did it again. And then I remember doing it like a third time for like a bigger amount. And then I realized like how easy it is to just be like, oh, whatever, I'll just spend $20 and get this. And if I am a 30 something year old adult with a fair amount of, of like self-control, like I can't imagine being like a teenager or even yeah. younger, right? Like and, and having access to that. And I can see how very quickly it can get out of hand. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was the thing is I'm very glad this these this FIFA Ultimate Team wasn't a thing when I was when I had my first job, because mm-hmm. then I would have to get my second job very shortly after, <laughs> at the exact same time. <laughs> I have school debt and I have FIFA debt. Exactly. And I-, <laughs> I have to manage all my debt. Oh, the other thing that I was going to say about the, the story itself was I found it funny that the U.S. legislators went to the game companies and said, so in the U.K., these changes were made. What are you going to do in the U.S.? Because the answer is, well, the U.K. version of you told me that I can't do this anymore. Yeah. So what am I going to do? I'm going to wait for you in the U.S. to tell me not to do this. That's what I'm going to do. So anyway, so uh, everyone send a strongly worded letter to any company you don't like. You know what? See what happens. Nothing. <laughs> don't do that. Unless it's, unless it's an actual shitty company. But nothing's going to happen, so don't worry about it. Uh, the third news item this week is something hopefully more fun than every other thing we've had to talk about today. So it's a move that was first rumored back in October 2020, and Sony now owns the anime streaming site Crunchyroll. So the deal has been finalized, and it will cost Sony a cool $1.175 billion U.S. dollars. Billion with the uh, with the pinky and the the mouth like Doctor. <laughs> uh, so technically, Funimation is the one who bought the company, but Sony's their parent company. So it's it's basically like your 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 dad giving you twenty bucks, and then you buy an ice cream cone. And so yeah, you, your dad your dad paid for that. You didn't pay for that. <laughs> so Crunchyroll has one hundred and twenty million registered users across more than two hundred countries. And while nothing concrete specifically has been announced for this acquisition, Sony did make an announcement and noted plans to create a unified anime experience as soon as possible. So, gentlemen, I turn to you. Uh, this is a gaming podcast. I want to know how this is going to be affecting our games. Uh, for me personally, I feel like it's probably just going to merge Funimation and Crunchyroll into one big streamy service, and then everyone can just buy that. But with Xbox Game Pass having all of this added value, I wonder if maybe throwing in some Crunchyroll into your PlayStation Plus subscription would be an added benedive, added ben- benefit, additive, all those words together. <laughs> is it going to be good to add it to those things? Or is it going to be just kind of, as we suspect, they're probably just going to merge these two anime companies and then you can just pay one fee for the both of them. So, Diego, I, I turn to you. Am I going to be able to get these Crunchyroll services with my PlayStation Plus subscription? And I want you to very quickly tell me an anime to watch on Crunchyroll on my PlayStation Plus subscription. OK, so I'm hoping that they do do what you're saying, that, you know, they just tie bundle in uh, the anime subscription along with uh, PS Plus. And the anime you should watch is Demon Slayer. And not because I've seen it, but because I've been told and I have heard it's very popular right now. 
I've been told to watch it. I heard it's really good. And I heard it's on Crunchyroll. So there Perfect. you go. Go ahead and watch that. Everyone watch <laughs> that when uh, when Crunchyroll does not come to your PlayStation Plus subscription. Yeah. So yeah, it sounds pretty good. Like pretty pretty good news to me. Sony wants to uh, dominate the anime world. So now they just have another anime giant uh, under their portfolio. So Crunchyroll is probably one of the best established names in anime. Like I personally enjoy anime occasionally, but I wouldn't say I'm a big, as biggest fan of anime as, uh, as other people. But even not I, enough to buy a Crunchyroll subscription. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But I, I actually know what Crunchyroll is. Like if you were to tell me, like, where else can I watch anime on the Internet? I would say like maybe Netflix. That's it. Right. But then I know Crunchyroll. So I think Sony buying uh, first Funimation in 2017 and then Crunchyroll now is is pretty like a pretty big deal. I guess they want to become like a real anime powerhouse, kind of like the Disney of anime, perhaps. Um, I think like it's just it's cool news because it means that Sony sees uh, some potential growth in anime. So a lot of future there, uh, apart from the fact that Crunchyroll is already coming in with a huge fan base. And who knows, like, as you said, maybe like um, since now they have this relationship with PlayStation, maybe like we're going to see a crossover into game development and maybe we're going to see some anime games being exclusive for PlayStation. Who knows? That might be that might be a thing that'd be pretty interesting. Like a Kratos anime. Either way. Yeah. Can you imagine like a Kratos anime or just like do a back and forth thing or just make uh, some animes into video games? Sony stated that they planned on unifying the account as soon as possible for Funimation and Crunchyroll. So that's some really good news for like anime fans that they get more bang for their buck now. And, you know, like, as you said, I hope just Sony takes, takes this one step further and makes, you know, adds it onto the PS plus subscribers, right? Just kind of like, even if we have to pay a little bit more and you get access to that full library of anime, I think that'd totally be worth it. I think it'd be a great additive uh, for you, Rodrigo. Do you think, do you think this move does anything specifically for gamers or is it more just emerging of these animes and what Crunchyroll anime am I going to have to watch from you? Hmm. Interesting. Uh, on your first question, I do think it'll have at least a minor effect. I, in, I, I, I checked it out and I know that at least right now, um, if you sign up for Crunchyroll premium, which I guess is like probably like the no ads or maybe unlimited, I'm not sure what premium entails. You get three months of Xbox Game Pass for your PC. I think that is unlikely to continue <laughs> if uh, Crunchyroll is now owned <laughs> by Sony. So I'm sure that you will maybe get uh, an alternative deal if you sign up for uh, for premium. Or, you know, like, uh, I think there's a lot of tie-in to happen between the video game side and the anime side. And it's probably a very similar audience, right? Like, I'm sure a lot of people that watch anime enjoy video games and vice versa. So we'll have to see. I mean, it's 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 hard to predict what uh, these purchases end up meaning in the long run. Like sometimes it works out well and then sometimes it doesn't like uh, a lot of the telecommunication companies were trying to get into the Netflix business and then they've been selling the Netflix business to form like some new Time Warner monster Netflix situation. So it's like sometimes it works out and sometimes it doesn't. We'll have to see. I I think it would be cool if we start seeing some of like the Sony games like you know they almost are turning Crunchyroll instead of just being like the uh place where you can stream it but also kind of like the studio that develops some animes and puts them in front of the audience because then you could have like I don't know like a Sackboy anime or 
some other uh, like Sony property that they could develop it and show to that specific audience. I think it would be cool. I hope that something like that does end up happening. But you know, at least for now, I, I, I can't speak too much more on that in terms of what I would recommend for you to watch. Um, I've heard a lot about My Hero Academia. I have not seen it yet. I have the the episodes ready to go to give it a watch, um, but I haven't started. You know, it's like. It's always such a commitment with an anime because especially when I get to it, it's already like a hundred episodes in. So it's like, do I have the time or should I watch like, I don't know, the new season of something on Netflix that's like 13 episodes and that's kind of where I fall. But I will get to it. I want to watch that. I want to finish watching Attack on Titan, which I started and then never finished. So mm. that's kind of what I would watch. I, I, I would also recommend that you watch. See, would I? Wait, no, actually, I take that back. Have you seen Full Metal Alchemist? No, I have not. Oh. Watch no, that. Watch trip. that first. That's no. my recommendation. <laughs> when, it, when it's brought on my PlayStation Plus subscription, I'll put it in my queue for sure. See, what I need from these anime services is to give me the show, but then have maybe be color coordinated. So that's like the episodes that have red titles. Those are all the filler episodes. So those are the ones that you could skip if you just want the story. I don't know mm-hmm. how satisfied they would be telling people to actively not watch the things that they're trying to get you to watch. So it's unlikely. Yeah. I feel like it would be a cool feature. I mean, the thing is, though, it's like it depends on how far behind you are. It's like if you're trying to catch up with like Naruto, I understand skipping filler. But if you're like pretty caught up, like filler has its oh, purpose, sure. right? Like it's like a, a yeah. bottle episode of a TV show kind of like it serves its purpose. Like you're exploring characters and so yeah. on. But yeah, like if you're trying to catch up with like Naruto at this point, it's like if you commit to filler, like there are seasons and seasons of filler in that show. It's crazy. It's, it's a little much. <laughs> it, you, it reminded me of the episode of Community where... It was a bottle episode where there was a puppy parade happening outside, but they couldn't leave the study room until someone found out who stole Annie's pen. And the whole time, Abba just kept saying, we're doing a bottle episode, aren't we? And like, no, it's not a bottle episode. Yeah, it was, it was great. It was fantastic. <laughs> uh, for me personally, I had to check it just to make sure it's on there. Everyone go watch Danganronpa on Crunchyroll. Danganronpa. So there's a story about a nice little bear trying to get all these children to commit murders of each other. So that should be fun. Sounds <laughs> great. So those are all of our big news. We got some little quick bites to go through. We have Idris Alba, who will play Knuckles in the upcoming Sonic movie sequel. Rodrigo, as a hater of the video games, is excited. Me, as the only person on this panel who watched the first Sonic movie and thought everyone should not have recommended it as hard. Also not very interested. So there you go. Idris Alba. <laughs> I'm, I'm worried. I'm, a fan. I'm worried for Idris Alba. <laughs> Why is he taking <laughs> why is he taking roles like Sonic the Hedgehog? <laughs> What's happened, Idris? I, I will say though, is Sonic the Hedgehog not like among the the best rated video game movies out there? Yeah, so, but I mean, really? yeah, <laughs> a low bar. I'm showing I guess. so much disrespect. Yeah. it did have Jim Carrey. Yeah. Right? If no one's able to get on the first step, and you do, that's congratulations. You took one mm-hmm. step. No Man's Sky has celebrated the game's fifth anniversary with its seventeenth free piece of DLC. This is the game that we all need Cyberpunk to be. Because this is what we're going to need to recover this game. And I played No Man's Sky when it came out and it was broken as hell. And I thought it was okay. But I really wish I waited five years later. So I guess that's probably what I'm going to end up doing with Cyberpunk. I'm going to wait for all that DLC. The former director of Saban Entertainment has said there were plans to make an open world co-op Power Rangers game. Which were cancelled in 2016. So there is some concept art available online. It looked rad as hell. Unfortunately it was cancelled because we don't deserve nice things. We don't deserve any nice things. Sorry, everyone. Uh, there were two PS5 dev kits that were listed on eBay, which were quickly yanked off within a few hours. So there were 12 bids that were recorded, and each one was around $3,000 before the listings were pulled. 
Uh, I think it's funny that for a brief moment, it was as easy to get a dev kit as it was to get an actual PS5. So I think that's fun. <laughs> Almost more likely. Yeah, exactly. Then you could just make your own PS5 games. Problem solved. Yep. And then the final item was there was a Nintendo Indie World Showcase this week. Uh, a thing that stood out for me was Bomb Rush Cyberpunk. I thought it was a blatant ripoff of Jet Set Radio, which is fantastic. We need more <laughs> games that are just complete ripoffs of other games that people loved and didn't get sequels. Why not? Just throw them out there. Absolutely. Yeah. The spiritual successor is like the workaround of like, I, you're not going to make the sequel. I'm yeah. going to make the sequel. Yeah, you make yourself. It's great. Diego. Sometimes it's really good. <laughs> yeah. Diego, was there anything in that showcase that uh, stood out to you that you liked? Uh, I like the trailer for Metal Slug Tactics, which is a like a tactic game, kind of like Fire mm-hmm. Emblem, but set in kind of like the Metal Slug universe. It looks really nice. It has been produced by Dotemu, which is the same guys that relaunched Streets of Rage, which is amazing. And they're also the guys that are going to be making the Ninja Turtles game that's coming up, which also looks really cool. So, yeah, I'm looking like I'm looking out for Metal Slug, t- Slug Tactics from those games. Rodrigo, anything from you? Anything from the indie showcase? Yeah, that Eastward game, it's by the publisher behind Stardew Valley, uh, Wargroove, which are really cool, cool games. They announced it back in 2019, and they finally put a date on it. It's going to launch as a timed exclusive, I think they said, on September 16th on the Nintendo Switch. Mm-hmm. So that'll be fun. Good. Good times all around. And one more thing I, I forgot that I yeah. left off. So Stardew Valley is also going to be releasing on Xbox Game Pass in the fall 2021. So if you enjoy that, I hope you enjoy it for free on your Xbox Games Pass. On PlayStation, we will not be playing it for free. We got to buy our games individually. (laughs) And while I'm trying to get the money to buy all of my games individually, please take a moment to listen to these words from our sponsors. Your podcast is in another castle is possible thanks to the support of our good friends at Ola Translation. The Hispanic Ontario Language Agency, or Ola, is a translation agency based in Ontario, founded by four Hispanic Canadians who want nothing else but to help people around the world to communicate in their favorite language, Spanish. Head over to olatranslation.org and use code CASTLE for an exclusive discount only available to our listener. Say goodbye to Google Translate and say Ola to Ola Translation. And we have returned. Thank you so much for joining us back. Next up, these all these games that we're enjoying, No Man's Sky is already out, but that's that's old news, guys. That's cold. That's it's it's the opposite of what's cool than being cool. Ice cold. Actually, it's exactly what that is. I should have just cut it off there. It's ice cold, everyone. What I need is I need what's hot and I need what's fresh. So this week, Diego, tell me, bring me some hotness, bring me some freshness. What's coming out this week that we should be playing? So this week. Uh, is the release of Hades on PlayStation 5 and Xbox Series X, or I think the both of the Sony and Microsoft consoles. Um, if you haven't had the chance to already play this on the Switch or the PC, I highly suggest you pick it up. It's a dungeon crawler, uh, but it's also a roguelike game uh, where you play as a character named Zagris, who's the son of Hades, and you, you're trying to escape the underworld. Um, the game is kind of like a hack and slash combat that's paired nicely with like the powers of uh, that are gifted to you by the Greek gods. And uh, at the beginning, you're going to find the game very difficult and you'll likely die a lot. But that's by design. That's what a roguelike kind of is. But the more times you get 
uh, you go through it, the stronger you get and the easier the game the game becomes. So um, if you enjoy a lot of, you know, great uh, Greek mythology, I would definitely say get like uh, give this game a look. Perfect. So continue the trend of games that have already been out for a very long time, but are new on a new console. I am going to be discussing Hellblade Senua's Sacrifice, which is now coming out on all of your Xbox consoles. Uh, this is a game that used to be a PlayStation exclusive. I played it on the PS4. It's it's fantastic. It's one of those games that when people say are video games art, they this is one of the games that they typically discuss. It's kind of discussed as like an indie AAA game, if that's a term that was kind of coined because of them. It's literally it was made by Triple a team. B. Exactly. It, it's a, it's a triple A and a half. Uh, it's a double A and a half. Whatever. We're making up terms. The game's fantastic. It's essentially this woman who has these voices in her head who are driving her to do certain things. So what she's trying to do is she's trying to essentially free her boyfriend. And she's going through this like this terrible journey. And so the game is set up where you hear these voices that are in her head. And you, it's best to listen to the game through headphones, because if the voice is like behind you on the right side, you'll hear it behind you on the right side. And you'll literally be like walking through and it's just these voices just whispering to like, you're not good enough. That's not the right way. Don't. That's not the right way. And there's like overlapping each other. And it's very creepy. And it also works in game because if you're doing a puzzle wrong, they'll just be like, that's not. No, don't look at that. No, that's not. Good. So it's it's very unsettling at times. And I thought it was it was fantastic. Very much enjoyed. If you enjoy people in your ears telling you you're not good enough and you're tired of your parents doing that, everyone go to Hellblade. Send was a sacrifice because I thought it was fantastic. Next up, we have our sub and remaster segment. This is where one person on the podcast will bring a game that they would like remastered. The other two people will decide whether it's to be subbed or not made or remastered, which means we're putting all of our money into it and we're making it. And then we're going to make everyone real sad that it doesn't actually get made. So this week, <laughs> Diego, you're going to be bringing us a game that is to be subbed or remastered. Diego, what are you looking to have my money be put into? All right. So the game I'm proposing to remake this week is a hack and slash action game developed by Capcom from the PS2 generation called Onimusha Warlords. This game was recommended to me by a friend. Um, he well, that I knew that I was that knew that I was a fan of Resident Evil. He told me you should definitely give this game a try. It's basically the Resident Evil series, but with samurais. So having heard that, I was like, okay, I gotta give that a try. It sounds awesome. And um, but I don't remember that I didn't hear him correctly the first time and I ended up buying another PS2 game called Oni. <laughs> and I went back to him later on and told him, yeah, that game was not at all how you described it. Right. And then he <laughs> told me and he's like, no, you bought the wrong game. He told me you have to like I heard Oni. Mm -hmm. That's it. That's the game I bought. He told me the game is Onimusha Warlords. I don't know how my brain decided to exclude <laughs> the rest of that title, but I forgot it. Anyways, like, listen, I, it's called Oni. Yeah, no, I got it. Mm -hmm. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I got it. I got it. So, uh, yeah, I bought the game, I played it, and I loved it. So this game is set in feudal Japan, and you play as a character named Samanosuke Akechi, and he is quested to look into the disappearance of some people that Princess Yuki suspects could, be, could have disappeared due to the sudden appearance of monsters in their village. So when he arrives to speak with Princess Yuki, he realizes that the princess has been abducted, and gets told that she's in another castle, of course. Mm -hmm. And as he quests forward, he starts to discover that the appearance of the monsters are due to the return of a foe he once thought dead, Nobunaga Oda, 
The story for the first game is very straightforward, but the gameplay overall was a masterpiece. Uh, as I described earlier, the game takes a lot of elements from classic Resident Evil games. There are plenty of well-designed demons or Onis that will keep you on your feet with typical jump scares that you get from survival horror games. As I said, like it has a typical fixed camera that some people love. That That is uh, basically the fixed camera that you would see in the Resident Evil game. So mm -hmm. some people would love this camera and some people hated it. I'd say more people hated it, but I actually kind of liked it. <laughs> Anyways, uh, so just like Resident Evil, Onimusha has you explore an estate where you have to find key items, solve puzzles, and unlock doors that allow you to progress in the game. So since fighting is more uh, close combat focused in this game, the movement is much faster than in Resident Evil. Uh, instead of collecting guns, you collect different samurai swords that often come with some sort of magical power like a fire blast or a shocking effect. And you can use that to take down enemies. Uh, every time you defeat an enemy, souls would fly out of them. And the, you would absorb these souls with a demonic bracer that you had attached to your arm. And the souls were the key to recovering life, recovering your magic gauge, and also boosting up your weapons. So it would, it would kind of make it more of a priority to defeat uh, enemies in this game as opposed to Resident Evil, where you usually kind of want to just avoid the zombies in general. So the game sits in a sweet spot between the RE franchise and um, basically Devil May Cry, right? Because the RE franchise is more puzzle solving. Devil May Cry is more combat driven. And this game like sits right in the middle, right in between. The best of both. My worlds. proposal for the for the relaunch of this game is that we keep the close quarter combat in the game, but we re ramp we revamp it to have it uh, at a more of a level of complexity, kind of like we see in Arkham Asylum, right? To me, that combat system was amazing. I wish I could see it in more games. Um, obviously, the game would greatly benefit from a graphical update in order to take advantage of modern day consoles like PS5 and Xbox Series X. And just like the RE game, um, it had pre-rendered backgrounds, which for back in the day was okay. It was a clever way to get around uh, and save memory. Uh, but since th that part of technology is no longer an issue, obviously we're going to go fully constructed backgrounds along with fully game rendered cutscenes so that the player doesn't feel thrown off every time there's a cutscene as well. Um, I think we can offer an assortment of in-game add-ons that can be unlocked just for playing the game. Perfect. We're waiting for the add-ons. Yeah. We can make costumes for Samanosuke, kind of like the he had a panda bear costume that you could wear throughout the game at some point. Like once you finish the game, you unlock the panda bear costume. You can play the game again wearing your panda bear yeah, costume. So yeah. it was cool because you could like it it definitely brought a lot of levity to like this horror game. So um yeah, so right away, I'm just going to say no loot boxes because they're predatory, as we've learned. Thank you. Thank you, David, for breaking our <laughs> terrible cycle. Yes, yes, yes. No more loot boxes. But, you know, uh, at Capcom, of course, being Capcom, they have to do crossovers, right? So we're going to get, like, Leon Kennedy from Resident Evil to jump in in this game, too, or Dante from Devil May Cry. I think mm -hmm. of uh, maybe having a game mode that would be in VR. Mm -hmm. So it would definitely intensify the jump scares. <laughs> by you just being basically playing inside. I like how game. many different departments we're going to have to use to make this game. I'm, I'm, I'm on board. Oh, everybody's going to be involved in this. Here, here's the, here's <laughs> the last one. Listen to this one. Imagine the departments that involved in this one. 
So finally, I want to suggest bringing back actor Jean Reno from retirement mm. just to lend his likeness and his voice to his Onimusha 3 character, Jacques Blanc. So if, if you guys don't know, uh, Jean Reno actually did uh, play a character for a video game. And uh, you guys should look up the game Onimusha 3. Look at the cover art. Jean Reno is prominently displayed right there, right next to the main character. So yeah, that's my final my final thought on that. I propose we br- also bring back Jean Reno just to, so he can bring his character back. Something to do. Um, but a- as I said, like I feel that Capcom has done um, a great job already relaunching the Resident Evil Two and Resident Evil Three games to match the play mode more similar to Resident Evil Four. So they they've already revamped Resident Evil games, right? So I thought to myself, I think Onimusha could greatly benefit from the same treatment and especially now that we've seen some truly great games uh set in feudal japan like sekiro and ghost of tsushima i think that there's an audience that has a greater appreciation for this japanese folklore that this game is filled with right so i think it's like i i that's my proposal boys and uh i believe the world is ready for the return of this franchise and only we can make it happen so what do you say are we getting back into demon slashing? So uh, the first thing I have, I have to think before I put my money into this, you mentioned that they are in <laughs> another castle and that piqued my interest because I feel like we could have <laughs> cross branding with this podcast where the original castle, we will be recording an episode of your podcast is in oh, another yeah. castle, but we're all but we're still doing it remotely like we do now. So it's the three of us <laughs> in separate areas of the castle. And then you have to collect all of us before you were able to actually exit the castle. Nice. And then you sit us at, like, at the table at the end of the exactly. castle. And then that's when we say your, your <laughs> podcast is in another yeah. castle. I actually like and that. Really. I'm going to keep that idea as an intro for next <laughs> I I am also down to support this. I do. It's funny because I didn't really remember this game until you mentioned Jean Reno being on the cover. And it's like I distinctly remember <laughs> that cover. Like it's kind of black and reddish, and like I know that he's like on this side. So it's I I, I guess I, I don't remember the game, but I remember that cover. So I know that you must have had mm-hmm. it. Um, I'm down, and I think, and especially, and listen, I'm not a big Resident Evil player, but I do think that they've stepped very far away from where they were originally mm-hmm. in terms of kind of even like the puzzle uh, part of it to, to advance. So if this game could bring in some of that, then I think there's a huge opening for it. And I fully support it. And you know what? Like, I always enjoy uh, live action interpretations of real, like, sorry, video game interpretations of real people now. Like, mm-hmm. uh, what's this guy's name in Death Stranding? Like, um, Norman Reedus. Norman Reedus. Oh, yeah. or like that kind Are you of, talking about Sam Porter so Bridges, I'm his ha- name in Death Stranding? Sure. Yeah. Uh, actor Norman Reedus is who I meant. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So if John Reno is going to come back for this, then I support it. Awesome. <laughs> Congratulations, you. That's that's all we needed was was this French man and uh, yeah, and the, the podcast integration. That was all we needed. That was the whole pitch you could have done right there. So perfect. <laughs> Thank you, boys. You know, it's like the actor Jean Reno. I I I know him from the movie where he has a very uh, creepy relationship with a young girl as a hitman, the professional, no. mm-hmm. and then this other movie that's about like eugenics. I think like the the river, purple the purple river. river. Yeah. Purple River. Like, it's just fucked up movies that I know him from. So this will be yeah. fun. Uh, it'll be right up his alley. We'll make it even more fucked up so that he feels <laughs> right at home with this game. And after that remaster, it does bring us to the final segment of the podcast. This is the final boss that we have to slay. This is where one of you listeners brings us a question and we discuss it. 
We'll see if we can slay this final boss. Today's final boss comes from a real life, actual final boss in our lives. And <laughs> his name, exactly. my nemesis, unbeatable, unbeatable. You can follow him and uh, and listen to everything he does with uh, with layered butter. I guess read uh, since the podcast is kind of on hiatus right now, and he's not even on the podcast, so maybe I shouldn't yeah. have gone through all that uh, rigmarole. <laughs> so his name is Andrew Perucho, and he asks us today: Do you feel Nintendo is too restrictive on the hold of their old games? Where is our N sixty four mini? Now, full disclosure, he asked us this before he actually went out and bought an N64. So he's he's probably satiated. N64. Exactly. Maxi. He's satiated now. He has his refurbished N64. It'll probably break very soon. And then he's going to need the N64 Mini. So, Rodrigo, I'll start with you. Why does Nintendo have such a hold on their licenses? And why can't they just give us this N64 Mini that we're all clamoring for? I mean, money. It has to be money. I think it's just that they, they don't know what is the best way to maximize their profit, right? Like, I don't I don't know if they're maybe trying to see if they do, like, collections in their store or if it is, like, an N64 Mini. I think there must be something about the games, too. Like, I know, for example, like, emulators on the, for the 64 are sometimes pretty rough. Mm-hmm. So maybe there is something there that doesn't make it as easy as, say, like, Super mm-hmm. Nintendo or Nintendo. But I do agree with the sentiment overall. I guess I can't give you a, a, an answer as to why because I'm also perplexed. But I would love, love, love to have access to the N64 library. I don't think it is my favorite of all the systems that Nintendo has put out. But it has some games that are like very near and dear to my heart. Um, I can replay Mario Kart 64 obviously any day of the week. But also underrated is Diddy Kong Racing, another game that is mm. in the in the vein and the style uh, of Mario Kart. But, you know, it puts its own twist. It focuses a lot more on, like, building up, like, uh, weapons of the same kind to get stronger. It does this cool thing where you have to collect, like, say, eight coins and still finish the race in first. It's, like, very, very cool. But I, I would love to be able to play that game. I also never finished Donkey Kong 64, which I know is not for some people is not their favorite, but I was so damn close and I didn't finish it. Also, Banjo-Kazooie. I wasn't as a kid. I was not able to release the Ginginator because it was fucking hard <laughs> to do that. And so that's where I stopped. And that's literally like it. I, I, I can tell from video game design that you release that Ginginator and he does his whole flying thing and destroys the witch. And that's it. That's the end of the game. Nice. But I could never release him. So, you know, like, I think maybe I deserve my my second chance now as an adult. So, yeah, Nintendo, let me play these fucking N64 games so I can, you know, feel fulfilled. So close and yet so far. Just just so you know, I went back and played Banjo-Kazooie and I have released the Ginginator. Mm. (laughs) And it's the last thing, right? Like, you can tell it's the last thing. It's the last step. And once you get that done, it's over. But it's... Like, it's so hard to do. I remember, like, struggling yeah. so much with that game as a kid. Especially as a kid. I'm an anxious person as an adult. But as a kid, like, I was, like, <laughs> biting my lips so hard that I was almost, like, carving my teeth into it. Because I was, like, I really desperately wanted to do it. And, like, my palms were sweaty. Like, I was, Knees you know, it was, like, Knees as weak. a kid, it was, like, too much. It was too much. So now I want to do it again as an adult where it's, like, I don't give a shit. Like, let me fucking beat the Like, now I look at things, video games, like, with a, a, a cold, distant, logical approach. It's, like... This is all coding. Like they're they're coded <laughs> to do things at certain times. I just need to figure out like how to beat that. Yeah. Oh, first off, I wanted to say thank you, Diego, for continuing the Eminem joke that I was making with the knees weak arms are heavy. <laughs> so perfect. For sure. So Diego, <laughs> the answer seems to obviously be money. But do you think maybe if they don't 
if they give you these N64 games, they give you the N64 Mini, then they can't keep re-releasing it every time they have a new console. What's what's the issue here? How how do we how are we going to get Nintendo the money to just give us these games that we want? To like what Andrew said, like he said, why is Nintendo so restrictive, right, with their N64 games? The fact is that Nintendo's just restrictive with everything they own. I think like we haven't seen any N64 games released yet because they're at a point with this Nintendo Online subscription where they don't know how to move forward. Like they, I, I think at some point the Nintendo Online subscription started, uh, when they started, they thought it would add value to the service, right? So they just added the catalog for the NES games and the Super Nintendo games. And they've gradually been adding three games kind of like a month, but it just, like nobody cares about it at this point, right? So then they're also thinking like, why should we keep on working if it's really not adding value to our service? But then they're also thinking like, if what are we doing with the N64 game? If we try to release it on this thing we added to our service, we're not really making money from it. And we're there's not really seeing benefits from like the SNES games and the NES games on their online service, right? So they're at, they're at a point like they don't know what to do. That's why we're not seeing like N64 games released right now. Uh, I think the only N64 game that is on the Switch right now is Super Mario 64 that was basically bundled with the Super Mario All-Stars game. And so that kind of goes back to, um, you know, the what I mean about the possibility of making money and selling the games as opposed to just offering it as an online service. I mean, they, if they can find a way to sell it to you, they definitely will, right? Um, for when that Mario 64 game came out, I know that there was people tinkering with the software and discovered that it was running through emulation. And because people saw that it was running through emulation, they thought it meant that Nintendo, like, okay, they're willing to do emulation. We're probably going to get some Zelda games for the year that, like, The Legend of Zelda is turning 35. So they everybody thought we're going to get, like, a Zelda All-Stars game, and they were just going to port, like, um, Ocarina of Time and Majora's Mask to an All-Star bundle, kind of like they did with Mario, but it never happened. People were thinking that's what that was was going to happen. I mean, we're still waiting, and as I, as I said, I think they're just, they just don't know how to move forward with these N64 games. And... I, it's the problem because I think Nintendo's a great game developer. Perhaps be, like maybe one of the best in the world, but well, like they fall short on a lot of things that other consoles do seamlessly, and that has to has to do a lot with like their online services and stuff like that. Um, I mean, it's it's sad to see. I still enjoy the company. I wish they would improve that, and uh, it would be more accessible to the fans. I mean, in the end, the, pe the people that are you know the worst affected are the fans. And um, the only way I see to play N64 games is the way that Andrew did is to buy yourself an N64 and just play it, you know, uh, on your own console, grab your game, blow some dust out of those games, sit next to a friend and, you know, just play some couch co-op or something. Just play your N64 as God intended, basically. <laughs> but yeah, so, um, you know, plus there's the other thing that there's some other games, there's some games that you're never going to see on a virtual console, for example, like GoldenEye. That's never going to release ever again on on a Nintendo console because of like not just licensing but also ownership. So yeah, mm -hmm. this it's the one thing about like uh, having your physical copy is that you can still go play these old games that you probably never will see again. Jordan, did you fuck around with an N sixty four? Like, are you familiar with any of these games that we've been? Mentioning? I've played it very briefly. Like, I've had friends who had N sixty four, so I would go over there. I would play like uh, WWF No Mercy and stuff like that. So I've played them. 
you give me this face like it's, like it's not on the N64 and I'm, I have no idea what I'm talking about. <laughs> it's it just is. like of all the games on the N64 <laughs> that this is the one that you're going to throw yeah. at me. It's still, I thought you were going to say like Mario Kart 64 or GoldenEye or like Mario Party, like one of these kind of co-op, couch co-op situations. Absolutely not. I remember I would remember playing like Super Mario World on earlier consoles, but for the N64, it was just like we'd come over and just play like No Mercy and that was kind of it i think goldeneye was still a little too out of our age range to be appreciated as an n64 mm-hmm. game and i wasn't really going to go over to my friend's house and play like single player games so i think that was that's right, kind of yeah. where i stood yeah uh i think the first time i ever had fun uh, playing like a multiplayer competitive thing was with goldeneye and I was horrible. Like the only play- way that I would play is with these things called proximity mines, which is basically <laughs> just like a crapshoot. Right? You randomize shit because you put proximity mines everywhere, and all of a sudden anybody can die. But it was fun as heck. Um, I think that's a that's a great game. That if we do ever get some N sixty fours going, I think you should give that a try. And then my other suggestion for you specifically would be to play the original Pokemon Snap. I think it is a very simple game, but as a Pokemon fan, a very satisfying experience. Pokemon Snap is a game that I never got to play and I always wanted to because I would always go to Blockbuster and they would have the giant Pokemon Snap machine and there would always be like three Mm -hmm. kids in line waiting for it. And my dad's like, we got to rent Mm -hmm. a movie, take out a VHS, we got to go. I was like, well, okay, I guess I'm getting liar liar for the fifth time and not playing Pokemon (laughs) Snap. What a life. Good movie. It's a good yeah, movie. Yeah. I mean, we rented it so many times that my dad should have just bought a copy. At this point, he was literally just wasting his money. Uh, so, uh, to answer your question, everyone, they're restrictive on their games because they're waiting for the best way to take money from you. And uh, the way to solve this is for Nintendo to just make more N64s, I think. I think that would solve all the problems. Yeah, just keep on yeah. making them. <laughs> People still love it. Just make more of those. Mm-hmm. That way, see, if they had made more N64s, our friend Andrew Perucho wouldn't have had to go to a CD pawn shop and haggle with some <laughs> some man who doesn't care about him he could have just gone to his local walmart and supported uh, corporations and then bought it from there <laughs> much better absolutely yeah. so that's i think that's the main takeaway everyone support your local large corporations and buy as many video games from them as is humanly possible so on that terrible note of advice that you shouldn't follow that is our podcast for the week thank you so much for joining us at your podcast is in another castle. You can follow us on all your favorite social media platforms at another castle CA. Let us know. Uh, what are some of these restrictive Nintendo games that you want to play? Do you not want to go down to a local pawn shop and uh, and have to deal with all of that nonsense? You should because pawn shops are cool. You get a lot of cool stuff there. Pawn shops. <laughs> podcast. I'm so free. scared of pawn shops. Like. <laughs> I, I, I like even psychologically, even just seeing it, I'm like terrified of going inside because I imagine that only like the shadiest people like work there and mm. go there. Like, like me, the shadiest people. <laughs> because me. of that, because of that scene from Pulp Fiction. That's why. <laughs> yeah, a big part of that is is that scene in Pulp Fiction. Mm-hmm. So find the least shady uh, pawn shop in your area and frequent them. Buy, I got a ukulele at a pawn shop for 20 bucks. Go to your, your local pawn shop, see if they have any ukuleles. Buy one for 20 bucks. It's a good time. And a good time was had by all of us here at this podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. Your podcast is in another castle. As I mentioned, follow us on all the socials. Another castle, C-A. And most importantly, remember, it's dangerous to go alone. So take this podcast with you. <laughs>